Hello and welcome to the commentary for lesson 333. This is kind of all over the place, like I said in the reading. 1 Kings 22, the end of that chapter. Um, some 2 Kings chapter 8 and some of 2 Chronicles 20, 2 Chronicles 21. <clears throat> so we're talking about a continuation of Jehoshaphat's reign, the king of Judah. Now, Jehoshaphat didn't stop being king while Jehoram was king. There was a period of time where Jehoram and Jehoshaphat ruled together. You could just say that, you know, Jehoram was in training during a period of time. So that's why they're both basically king at the same time. Now, it says that Jehoshaphat was a good king. He followed the example of his father Asa, and he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. During his reign, however, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines. Now, there are times in scripture where it says that he removed them all, and, and then times like this where it says he didn't remove them all. So, to give you clarification on that, I want to go to my study Bible. It says that just like his ancestors Solomon and Asa, he followed God, but he didn't remove the pagan shrines from the hills. It was against God's laws to worship idols in the shrines, um, and those were up in the hills. So at first, Jehoshaphat attempted to remove them. They were so popular that this proved difficult. In spite of his many contributions to the spiritual, moral, and material health of his country, he did not succeed in eradicating the hill shrines. He destroyed most of the Baal and Asherah poles, but since he did not succeed in wiping them out totally, then the corrupt religious practices at those shrines continued. You know, probably he had them removed or destroyed and they were probably rebuilt. That could have happened. So we don't really know, but he was not able to eradicate it. And the people still offered sacrifices and burnt incense there. So, he also made peace with the king of Israel. Well, he not only did that, he was had a special alliance with King Ahab and uh, his family. And we'll see how that leads to quite a bit of destruction, really, in the end. And we see an alliance come up between King Jehoshaphat and King Ahaziah. Okay, so King Ahaziah is the son of Ahab that was in charge just for a short while before um, his other son became king. So Ahaziah and Jehoshaphat made an alliance, which that was normal for Jehoshaphat to make those alliances with that family. They were very entwined with those people, those wicked kings. And so together they built a fleet of trading ships. And the the story is portrayed differently in 1 Kings 22 as it is in Second Chronicles. And I don't like to glaze over that stuff. I like to actually put a spotlight on it and say, okay, let's figure this out. And why, why is it different? So um, on ver in verse 48 of 1 Kings 22, it says, Jehoshaphat also built a fleet of trading ships to sail to Ophir for gold. But the ships never set sail, for they met with disaster in their home port of Ezion-Geber. At one time... Ahaziah, son of Ahab, had proposed to Jehoshaphat, let my men sail with your men in the ships, but Jehoshaphat refused the request. Well, later, it's clarified in Second Chronicles 20, it says, sometime later, King Jehoshaphat of Judah made an alliance with King Ahaziah of Israel, who was very wicked. Together, they built a fleet of trading ships. So, 
the first Kings version says that Jehoshaphat built the ships. And it doesn't say specifically that when Ahaziah proposed, it just says later at one time, Ahaziah, son of Ahab, had proposed to Jehoshaphat. So maybe that's the clarification that Second Chronicles was making because it sounded like um, Jehoshaphat built the fleet of ships on his own and then Ahaziah joined. Maybe it's making the clarification that they actually did that together. That makes sense. Um, then a Eleazar, son of whoever, blah, 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 prophesied against Jehoshaphat. He said, because you have allied yourself with King Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy your work. So the ships met with disaster and never put out to sea. So it just gives more detail about that and uh, makes the clarification that they did, in fact, do that together. And it says the Lord, I mean, a prophet told him that the Lord would destroy his work. So that alliance was not blessed by God. You could say that for sure. Um, then it talks in Second Chronicles 21 about Jehoshaphat's death. It doesn't say why he died, but he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. And then his son Jehoram became the next king. But this is the son that Jehoshaphat had arranged a marriage between Jehoram and um, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Her name was Athaliah or Athaliah. I'm not sure exactly how to say it, but that is crucial when you think about, you know, they say that the woman behind the man says a lot about the man. And in this case, unfortunately, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel was going to really disturb the character and the kind of man that Jehoram became, the kind of king that he became. It says, Athaliah followed the idolatrous ways of the northern kingdom. This is from my study Bible. Bringing Baal worship into Judah and starting the southern kingdom's decline. When Jehoram died, his son Ahaziah became king then Ahaziah was killed in battle, and Athaliah murdered all her grandsons except Joash and made herself queen. And I guess this will be in Second Kings 11. Jehoram's marriage may have been politically advantageous, but spiritually it was deadly. There are lifelong consequences to building alliances with people that are not in the same place. In this case, wicked people. We could say that about our lives, too, that before entering into partnerships, we need to ask, you know, are we starting on the same footing? Does one of us serve the Lord and the other worship idols or not worship the Lord? I mean, today, idol worship looks a little differently, but can believers marry unbelievers? I'll be honest that when my husband and I got married, we were not in the same spiritual place, but... To be fair, I was really not following after God at that time of my life. I was questioning everything. I had just joined the military and I was out to discover myself and really change the course of my family's history. I didn't want to be in poverty anymore. I wanted to, I was very ambitious. And so God was just not really at the forefront of my mind at that time of my life. And I don't think that's totally uncommon. When I met my husband, um, we did have the conversation when, while we were dating. You know, um, I did make a list of the qualities I would like in a husband. And and he 
I never actually even thought I would get married. Honestly, I had such a bad experience with the men in my life um, that my fa- that my mother unfortunately brought into my life that um, I really didn't think marriage was a thing to aspire to. So when I met Ryan, he was a really great guy and we did have a conversation about what we believe and he said he believed in God and he was really cute and he's really a good person and that was enough for me. So I can't really say that... Um, Yes, I was unequally yoked, but not really because I wasn't then who I am now. Having Becoming a mother and having children just really brought up a lot to me, the responsibility of a spiritual heritage, and that it was important for me to train my children up in the ways of the Lord. So we do have to be careful about that. I think that's a big lesson that we can take from the life of Jehoshaphat, is that even though he was a godly man, he had these interwoven relationships and these alliances with wicked kings and his son married the daughter of a wicked king and it just it doesn't bode well in the long run it never does and you can't change people you really can't expect to do that so I think that's really um the main thing that I would take away oh actually there's more one other main point it says in verse 18 of Second Kings chapter 8, it says, But Jehoram followed the example of the kings of Israel and was as wicked as King Ahab. That's unfortunate because Jehoshaphat was his father. You'd think he would follow after his father, but nope, his wife really made an impression on him. So Jehoram did what was evil in the Lord's sight. This is key, verse 19. But the Lord did not want to destroy Judah, for he had made a covenant with David and promised that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp forever. So this tells us that God is holy and God's people need to be holy because God is holy. And they are to, they have a very definite um, blueprint of what it looks like. They have the stories of their ancestors um, they have the teachings of Moses. And so they know what that looks like, but they continue to disregard it and to continue to chase after false gods and do detestable things in the eyes of the one true God. So God had every reason to destroy them, but he is a man of his word. And he made a promise to David that his descendants would continue to rule. And from that branch will come Jesus, the Savior. So this just kind of all, it just all progressively leads us to Jesus. God made a promise, and though we don't deserve it, we enjoy the assurance today that because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are redeemed. So that's really another big takeaway for this reading. That's really it for today, though. I hope you all have a great day, and I will talk to you soon.